0: Welcome back to another episode with your Vitruvian Coaches. Today, we are going to discuss advanced training methods and take you through some concepts that we've worked through or that we know of and utilize with clients. So strap in and make sure that you learn how to take the most out of your training. One of the first methods that we are going to discuss is probably pretty straightforward. So it's periodization training. Um, if you haven't heard about it, it is when you build up in a linear progress and you want to do progressive overload with your training, which we should be aware of, because that's probably one of the easiest ways to increase your strength training or increase muscle building, because we always want to add either more reps, more load, if you can, unless you need a like weight because you've worked too hard. But technically, you want to find some ways to increase your load or increase your rep range so that we are making progress because if you are someone that picks up two kilo with dumbbells every single training session, you're probably leaving a lot on the table there.
1: Unless you're doing a lot of reps <laughs> to try and hack the progressive overload. A hundred. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think that's where people fall into a bit of a rat there when they're trained from home and you only have limited equipment and you want to do progressive overload then you would literally end up doing like 30 reps 35 50 100 because eventually if you don't have any weight and you can't slow down your tempo anymore because that's another option slowing down tempo um where do you go from there like you just have to add more reps or do single leg and single arm exercises
1: I feel like it was definitely that way for lockdowns over the pandemic that you know feels like a lifetime ago it's crazy that it was that long ago but um, yeah with the limited amount of equipment or like hack equipment that anyone could find I, like I definitely did a few tempo pauses and I think it got to the point where you had to go on Facebook marketplace and see if you could buy any more equipment off anybody else because you just couldn't do any more tempo work unless you were willing to spend what two hours maybe (laughs) trying to do a session how about you guys what did you guys try and hack over that time period
2: during that period i was someone who like impulse bought a lot of overpriced equipment so like i did try to buy a barbell and then random mm-hmm. plates, and I have like a random, like 65 pound dumbbell. And yeah, it was kind of a Frankenstein of a gym set up in my mom's backyard. Uh, but yeah, definitely there was a certain point in terms of load where I could go to. And then it all came down to just increasing the volume. So more reps, more sets. Um, and then eventually I just completely fell off the wagon and I didn't train for like a year. Um, so now we got the comeback.
0: Yeah, I um, my goal in lockdown was to get a handstand. So I would focus on something else and like learn how to do a handstand. It didn't last very long, but I was also one of the lucky ones where my ex-partner used to have a gym that he closed and he still had all the gym equipment. So I had first dips and I was like, this, 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 and this, and this all in the backyard. So me and my housemate were trying to know a backyard. I have videos of this and that was just before I started my powerlifting journey. So it's the first time I've had like a powerlifting coach and I'm actually surprised that Callan used to let me lift like this. And I would like rack the barber on like two high chairs cause I didn't have a squat rack for a while because it took the boys too long to build it up and I wasn't able to build it up. So, and I, I remember that I crashed on it once, like it was definitely not a good time. And it was just before Vitruvian had machines available And because we only had like five machines in the world, I wasn't allowed to take one home. So (laughs) I had to either train at work or train with my weird gym setup in the back. And it used to get really hot over here. Like the garden sessions became a lot more sweaty. Or on the other hand, when it was like cold, it was so cold outside. We would rock up in like beanies and whatnot and then train at the back. And then with clients, um I had to be super creative, like backpacks with books and wine bottles. I remember one of my clients posted a video of her in front of the TV doing like ladder raises with like wine bottles. I'm like, yeah, some of on for me.
1: <laughs> I managed to um get a twenty kilo dead bowl, um, just filled with sand. And I, I remember that gave me an idea. I was like, oh, it's just a bowl filled with sand. And so hardware stores were still open here. And I I was like, I'm going to go to Bunnings over here in Australia. I'm going to buy sand. I'm going to buy like, um, I don't even know what these are called, like furniture, strappy things. And I was going to hack myself a handle. And I just, it was a disaster. Um, I think yeah, we ended up throwing away a whole lot of hardware or giving it away because we, yeah, we were just trying to hack just about anything just to keep some sort of progressive overload in some sort of way
0: when it comes to programming how do you guys program the progressive overload like how do you have a go-to template because i know i certainly do but i want to know what you guys do
1: oh so um what i'm doing at the moment um i am at a stage where i adjust according to you know sets reps and load a little bit. So right now I'm going through a bit more of a muscular endurance bout. So everything I'm doing is around uh, 15 to 20 reps a set, which is really hard for me because I don't do anything more than six or eight (laughs) um, reps at a time, Uh, which is also really interesting because the, the weight that I thought that I would have to Um, put on the bar in order to get that amount of reps. It's actually a little bit more than I thought it would be. Um, I I first started off with 50% and that seemed quite comfortable. So that was really interesting. And then right now I'm sitting at 65% for 15 reps, like still quite hard aerobically, but um, it's quite um, fun in in a weird way. And then I thought the other day I'm going to do a quick calculation of volume because I was just really curious um, to see because yeah, the other day I did a bit of a deadlift party just because I thought like I like lifting heavy and, and going quite close to sub max if not max uh, load. So And I think I'd been doing endurance for a long time so I just got a bit – I was like I'm just over this. I want to do a, a 1RM. Yeah, and in terms of 1RM, um, managed to push past my – my PB, um, and then did a quick calculation of the volume, so sets multiplied by reps multiplied by the load. And I was doing way more load, obviously, uh, volume uh, over the last, what, two months than I usually would do um, lifting sub max. So, yeah, I don't really pay attention to the numbers too much, but it I think I've trained long enough to know when I'm doing way more volume than I usually do.
2: I think that's a great point too. Um, different phases in our lives, probably we have different training styles or different templates that we adhere to. I'd say I probably have erred on like the hypertrophy range versus ever really going for a like true one rep max. And I would say a lot of my programming now, it'll it'll fluctuate a bit. I'd say for my main lifts, you're it's going to be that like seven, five, three, where the intensity for each lift is going to change week on week, but to get the volume for hypertrophy, I'm I'm always sitting in that like eight to 20 rep range. If I see Casey put over 20 reps, I like give Mm him a mean glare from across the room um, because he knows I won't do it. (laughs) So I would say it's, if I had to defer to a certain structure, that's probably the primary structure. And then obviously changing some variables here and there, depending on, time of the year like right now going through a build phase so like my calories are way 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 higher than they usually are I have a lot more I guess technically energy um, that I can use so like volume is higher than it normally would be and probably as that tapers down volume will taper down slightly Um, but always I guess keeping that structure and progressing with load as well
1: How much Chipotle are you eating right now to try and get through? I mean, they see me
2: walking and they know it's already ready for me. So
0: (laughs) this is great. I think for me, when it comes to programming for a client and a beginner client, I usually give them a rep range and then I work with RPEs quite a bit. So if it's a new client, I tell them 10 feels like you're hit by a truck. One's super easy. Five is pretty manageable. You can probably go up and then teach them how weights feel like that way. And then in the rep ranges, it might be like 10 to 12 or 8 to 10 or 12 to 15. And once they feel like they can go to 15 and that still feels less than an 8, then I get them to increase the weight. And that's how we progressively overload and like build a little bit of, like I don't know, number literacy around training literacy and how weights feel and how they should be feeling. And that's how, what I would usually do for clients. And then for myself, it's probably more um, lower rep ranges. So one to five <laughs> for my big lifts. And they are all programmed based on my 1RM. And at the moment, or oh, deadlifts, I'm actually doing six reps on my back offsets. But only one. No, three. Three, six, six. Um, so we, we're increasing the reps now. And that's been actually quite fun. And I'm same as you, Christine, I'm surprised that I can rep the weights pretty high um, compared to what I thought like in my, I probably do reps around like 70, 75% at the moment, which is cool. And then for accessories, it's more like a bit of a gamble. How does it feel? How gassed out am I from my previous big lifts? And that's where they are in higher rep ranges probably 10 to 12, but I wouldn't go above 20. I think the only exercise I go 15 is um, abductions and cable kickbacks. (laughs) That's 15 and that's probably the highest I've had in a long time.
1: Yeah, I think the only time that I've ever done anything beyond 20 reps is if I'm forced to do it in like a Metcon or something. But
0: Yeah, watch out for the Metcon that I have planned for 21 reps
1: (laughs) well I think I purposefully don't program beyond 20 because I can barely even count to 10 um I I definitely have to cut them up into chunks in order to get through a higher rep range so right now with 15 I have to count to five to five and then counting to five and mentally i'm like okay that's one set of five two sets of five three sets of five and then that's that's how i can get to 15 successfully in my head
0: this is such a pity sickness <laughs> but i do this running so you know when you run and you're like okay two more 10 minutes then i'm done all right three more this and three more that and then i'm done and then that's how I do incite myself up through running. Otherwise, I can't do it. It's like broken down. I'm like, all right, one more minute, <laughs> sixty seconds.
2: Another one. We can do this. Another sixty seconds. <laughs> that is all cardio. It's like, okay, I only have to do two minutes, twenty times. And... <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, that sounds that sounds like like way too much. It probably sounds off putting. Yeah, yeah.
2: It's two minutes, twenty times, or I can listen to this one song eight times, and <laughs> I just <laughs> break it down, however, uh, my mind.
1: I do this thing where I feel like I'm not really present. I'm not in the moment. maybe for the first three quarters. I just look at you know uh, pace or anything. I, I use those kind of numbers to set myself a target. and then when I know that I'm close to the to the end of something that's when I start like a mental countdown. That's when I start saying, okay, there's only this much left. There's only this much left. Whereas like the first three quarters, I was just, I'm not even gonna think about how long this is gonna take or how much I don't really wanna do this. I'm just looking at something else. That's so funny. That's
0: probably a good way to do it. And this is totally off topic, but have you guys seen on TikTok, the girl maths thing? It's hilarious. And this is reminding me of like, we're doing the math for our running and our cardio, but it's basically in New Zealand radio show justifying girls' purchases. And th- the way they calculate it's called like girls' math. And it's like someone bought, I don't know, a $700 dress. And she's like, oh, well, I've got three weddings or four weddings to go to they're like well per wedding it's only going to be like a hundred dollar dress and then you can wear it another time for a work function you can rent it out to your friends so basically you're making money and the dress was free <laughs> 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 and i do this for everything and the boys in his radio show are just like what the heck and i was like well not that i have done it like this before but i definitely have justified some purchases like that although it was a girl getting Taylor Swift tickets and she had to fly to Sydney, I think, from New Zealand. And they were like, well, that's good because you're saving like 30 grand. Otherwise, if you couldn't have gotten the tickets for Sydney, you would have had to fly to Austria and that would have been way more expensive. (laughs) So really you're saving money then. I'm like, great, this is totally justified. So this is me doing cardio. I'm trying to tell myself (laughs) mathematically what I have to go through. That is it's less bad.
1: I feel like that's, that's me with high reps or anything that's aerobic in general, I think.
2: Okay. Since this group is not a fan of high reps, let's talk about like the super low reps. So we're talking like one to three. What does that look like? Because again, ob- objectively we can't always be working at a one rep max. We're not doing a one rep max every single day. Um, It just wouldn't happen. That number would change constantly if that's what you were trying to do. Um, So maybe you can talk to that lower rep range, when to do it, how often to do it, um, and if that is your goal, how to make progress towards it.
1: Yeah.
0: Do you want me to start, Christine?
1: (laughs) I feel like you just did your comp, so I feel like this is a natural segue for your story.
0: Yeah. Technically, when... I work with my coach around it. We look at the ultimate goal on the end of the block. So let's say I want to hit, I don't know, 130 kilo on my deadlift. Cool. That's going to be like week six and that's where we're testing strength, but I will still do one reps or oh, run reps of a deadlift or a squat in the leader, but I just won't go to the highest intensity. So it might be like 80%, 90%, 95% until I then over uh, go over my one rep max. So in the last block, for example, we would do, that was a six-week block, I think. So the first four weeks were probably, I don't know the exact numbers, but they're probably like around 90%, 95%. Then week four was two weeks away from the mead. So I tested my strength there and I went two kilos above my previous max. And that felt pretty easy. So I don't think it was like a 10 RPE. And then the next week after we tapered back, because it was the week before the comp. And then on the comp, you obviously try and go for your new PB. So you're going above your 100%, and that worked. So that's good. But then in the lead up, I was still doing one rep for my top set. But then you do your warm up sets and then you do your back off sets. And I actually had someone ask me what back off sets are the other day. So the way I program, like there's different ways you can program for powerlifting or strength gains, but I quite enjoy. Doing warm-up sets, then have like the top set and then backing it off and get more volume in that way. Another way would be that you're just doing the warm-up sets and you're finishing on your hardest set. And that's probably something I would do for like hip thrusts or something more than for my squats and deadlifts. Or if it's a new client or if it's a session um, where you don't have as much time, because by the time I get through my squats and my deadlifts and my bench, like half an hour or an hour is gone because I'm building up and then backing off. Um, but yeah, so I would do like one rep for the top set and then back it off with like three reps or two and then every now and then do the three and then go five or seven and to get more volume in and that percentage will then drop and we don't go as high. But yeah, you're right. You can't do your one rep max every single week. You're going to guess yourself out. So I think it's about like probably like 80 to 90% where I usually train within training and then building it up every training block. And but even then, not every training block I'll finish with a PB at the end of it. It just depends where you are, and then maybe you need a deload. For females as well, it depends on where you are in your menstrual cycle and all those things. So, taking all that into consideration is probably really important.
1: Yeah, when I was still com when I was still well when I was still competing or thinking about competing, um, we would just know the dates of certain comps, and then obviously the rest of my build phase testing phase um, was all s- surrounded around that. But um, I haven't really done any competing maybe in about a year. Um, and so over the last year or so, I've just been mainly working on building, uh, dare I say, like some bodybuilding type stuff here and there. I think it. Uh, my goals for the last 12 months have just been to kind of keep the... The lights on a little bit so just keep the routine going um keep doing the skill work keep doing some drills um but yeah what I'll tend to do is is um put myself through either a build phase or an endurance phase um for maybe like three months at a time and then at the end of that like I'll work towards a strength um like block for maybe like six weeks just to wrap myself up to testing. And then I'll use, like I'll see what the last three months of work have really done um, just for my own curiosity and just to see like, you know, what kind of adaptations I'll have. Um, and so that's how I've been chipping away over the last year or so um, without any full structured programming that's geared towards competing. How about you, Nix? To so be very similar in the sense
2: where I've had, again, I mentioned, like, I kind of fell off from probably closer to a year and a half, like, after the pandemic. And then a lot of the training I was doing was, I guess, to keep the lights on or to just kind of get back into the routine. So just showing up was a win. Doing any kind of lifting was a win at that point. So it wasn't super structured. I'd say I've been training with Casey, like, over a year now. And since we've started, I think that gave me the structure that I was not giving myself, which definitely helps. And during that time, like we've obviously had multiple blocks. And, you know, my goal, I'd say most of the time is hypertrophy, but again, with strength progression as well. Um, so, again, we're not necessarily ramping up for a specific number, but each block is, is a little bit of a build in terms of like numbers as well. Um but again similar to what you mentioned, there will be some blocks where yet the the rep count will go down. So maybe I am closer to like three to eight for a lot of things and there isn't a lot of like accessory volume um, so that I can focus on those lifts on those days. Um whereas right now my volume is very, very high. Um so I'd say for my main lifts, um we're still like again, we are at like that three to seven but like everything outside that there's a lot, lot more work. Um, Hope that answers it. Okay. So a little bit of everything sometimes.
0: And do you have any advanced lifting techniques that you really enjoy? Like we covered a little bit of supersets and pyramid sets, but personally for me, one of my favorite, and I only do that for accessories and probably like tricep and biceps, because there's no way I'll try and biceps on a, regular bicep training basis because I think it's too boring. But I love like a rest pause method. Um where you go do as many reps as you can, then rest for 10 to 15 seconds and then do as many reps as you can again and really guess yourself out. But you can only really do that on like safe exercises or cable exercises where you've got more stability. But I think I really enjoy those for your yeah, abductions um biceps and triceps and that's one of my favorites do you've got any others that you enjoy they like cruel things they're almost a love-hate relationship but they get the job done
2: i actually i I just posted actually in our facebook group as well but it's a a finisher it's bicep for bicep curls for time skull crushers and then lateral raises and you run that through four times 45 seconds on just trying to get as many reps as you can and then uh, 15 seconds off
1: yeah, fun. <laughs> it's disgusting.
2: <laughs> it's brutal. So I'd say yeah, things like lateral raises I would do as well in that scheme that you mentioned, or any kind of like shoulder raises, anything that isn't like a military or like strict press.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, typically when I was doing. um a lot more Olympic lifting training um wise prior to this one year off it. Um you, you tend to do like a lot of drills that mix in a few different components. So between like pulls, a full clean, you know, there's it, so many different combos into the one set. Um and that would be uh, yeah that would be quite taxing aerobically but obviously you're trying to continue to produce as much power as you can while you're slowly starting to get fatigued per set um but yeah I don't think I've ever really done a full bodybuilding type you know advanced lifting uh style where you do your your drop sets or supersets um until maybe just recently one thing that you Tend to miss out on um, when you're doing a lot of Olympic lifting is any sort of bench press or chest presses um, and since my year off um, and I've been training a little bit more traditional um, bro splits I've been doing a lot more bench um, which has been quite interesting and I think maybe three months ago I did my first ever drop set and that is that's just, I don't, I don't actually want to do that ever again. And I, I'd actually won't I just, especially I was like, I don't care for that kind of stuff, but that it was a really interesting experience. Um, I don't care to, to build my chest or, or anything like that, but um, yeah, how people are able to do drop sets um, for a whole block, uh, you know, all, all, all the power to you that that stuff is disgusting i'd rather do a metcon if i'm honest
0: well see i'll be i would be the opposite like give me a drop set but don't give me a metcon
1: (laughs) oh no way i think metcon i don't know what it is i think i can switch off mentally and emotionally same thing like remove myself from the moment a little bit whereas i feel like with drop sets there's just so much to think about um like, you know, in terms of your form, or it depends on what you're drop setting, to be honest. Um, but yeah, for a compound lift like that, it was just so hard to just think of everything and then also get yourself through the count. And then there's a lot going on, I feel, um, that you have to focus more on. So yeah, credit to all those bodybuilders.
0: I would definitely keep those drop sets and training to failure for my accessory lift unless I'm going for a one rep max test because that's technically training to failure but with just a lot less volume. But going to cover training to failure, what are your thoughts of training to failure? Um, For myself, I probably use it, like I said, in like accessory moves and stable exercises. So I wouldn't necessarily go squat, train to failure unless I had someone spotting me and it is a con and that's only for one rep i'm not maxing out my squat for a couple of reps and then i probably have tried to failure accidentally when (laughs) when i wasn't meant to because i failed to loop. but technically if i plan to try to failure it's probably more like your accessories your tricep extensions glute kickbacks and things like that what about you
2: i think it's important to also like we can differentiate between Failure. So you have your absolute or mechanical failure. This is like, you couldn't lift this if your life depended on it. That's like the absolute failure. And then you also have technical failure. So this is going to be when at the point where your form starts to break down and they're not always the same thing. So if you, maybe you can speak to this as well. Like when your sport is meant to be pushing yourself to get the heaviest load that you can, there may be maybe a rep where technique starts to break down but you do that to get to that number if that makes sense so for instance um maybe you get to your point of absolute failure but your last rep the form was breaking down but you still happen to get it up that would probably be your point of technical failure um for me personally because I, i i'm not in a sport where i need to hit that number i would say i rarely Never. I think sometimes Casey like wants to be cheering. He's like, he's like it's, come on, let's do it. Um, I'm like, no, I, I rarely would ever change. like absolute failure, but I will get to like the point of like technical failure. So maybe like two to three reps before I'm at, at that absolute point. Um, for me personally, I'm, I'm, I'm not a spring chicken. I I've had injuries. I have injuries right now. So the closer you get or the more you push past that technical failure point one, Sometimes you can start practicing maybe improper technique, but also you are increasing the risk of injury. But again, not saying this is totally my own opinion and like what I do, because maybe you are in a sport and you're like, I actually need to be able to get to that place or be able to push past this certain point. Then, yeah, you're probably going to push past that place if you need to. So um, just just, me just chiming in. Totally subjective. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I I agree with you. There is a difference in terms of training to failure, whether it's mechanical failure, technical failure, or um, uh, muscular failure, if you want to call it that. Um, I don't tend to train to failure too often. Um, I I just, my central nervous system just doesn't, it needs to have time off almost. I, I need to make sure that I have no social things That are like social social obligations. I've got to make sure that you know my stress management is like outside of training is very much on point. Um, Because yeah, the first thing that kind of goes down the drain for me is my mood regulation. (laughs) Um, As soon as like my central nervous system starts to go, Um, so I I don't do it too often, Um, and I don't do every single type of training to failure. It it'll just usually be like, you know, max load like here and there once in a while and, and that'll be a cool thing, but that's about it. Um, Yeah, I, my body just doesn't handle it very well. well it, my body handles it well, but I think the rest of me mentally doesn't handle it very well afterwards if I'm doing that way too much. Um, and I definitely found that when I was doing CrossFit five days a week uh, a few years back. Um, I, I found myself at a stage where um, I couldn't really go every day to do the WAD. Um, and I had to start breaking it up with days in between um, because I just wasn't um, my best. Maybe after three days of just that kind of annihilation to myself. Um, and there's probably some other things that I could have done better, like, you know, recovery, sleep, and nutrition that would have maybe helped me sustain that kind of energy but I'm not an elite athlete I don't I don't I'm not competing for for the games or anything so that to me just didn't make sense um to just continue doing that to myself um I think that's a really important point to
0: listen to your body and also listen to recovery with all those methods and make sure that you're not frying your nervous system endlessly because if you have a lot on your plate already then that's really the training benefit kind of outweighs the actual life situation if you if you're already super stressed then don't put extra stress on top of it with the training because in the end of the day training is still also a stressor so you just want to make sure that you've got some balance with all of it when it comes to um equipment what equipment do you guys use? Cause we, I know I have all the equipment and then I all got stolen <laughs> and now I had to get all my new equipment again, because it's actually really interesting. I like, obviously I use my sleeves and my belt for my squats and then I didn't have them. And when I'm on holiday, I usually don't take them. And it feels fine. Cause I drop my weight when I'm on holiday and I don't pretend I can lift as much as I am in the gym. But then when I was here prepping for the comp and I didn't have my sleeves and my belt, I, my squats literally looked totally different. They felt totally different. They didn't work. And it's probably partly like mental and being frustrated, but it just made such a difference to not using the belt and my sleeves. And usually I only use belt and sleeves on my primary days and not on my accessory days. So I can keep like, I don't know, just some function without them. And now I feel like, not. Nah, screw this I'm just going to use them all the time it's going to make makes you lift so much better <laughs> it feels so much better
1: <laughs> yeah I have a belt I'll only really use when I'm testing um I don't usually use it um in work outside of testing or, or strength building um but knee sleeves have been something that I've had to slowly I, I used to hate knee sleeves I, I just they they're awkward and if like you have leggings on, they're even more awkward. It's just, it's not great.
0: Put on, it's a nightmare. It's almost harder than a workout.
1: <laughs> and if you're, if it's a hot day, cause where I train, it's not a temperature regulated place. It's very much just in a warehouse in the elements. So whatever the weather is, that's the weather. And if it was like a hot day, trying to get them on while your legs are sweaty is also is also a vibe. But, um, in the last two years, I had to start wearing them, especially like in the cold, because my joints were just a little bit more happy but um lifting whenever i um whenever it was really, really cold um but yes, yeah, straps are also a big one, especially for doing heavy pulls um yeah, I think that's about and chalk chalk is. <laughs> chalk is like the most underrated thing in the world but chalk is a lifesaver it's a staple in my gym bag
2: yeah I can agree on the chalk on the straps I have worn a belt before but it's been years I I don't I actually have like a, a breath belt which is like I consider it like different it's like less compression and it's more as like ironically i I don't actually use it when i'm lifting sometimes i just use it because like my brace is such like it's so trash that i just like just breathe with it on just to practice like proper bracing and that'll be its own thing um and then other than that i've never worn uh knee sleeves i've never tried them i've never had a pair um so i can't personally relate on that one um when i was so long ago when i was skating though like whenever we it was like super old school. We just take a ton of like athletic tape and just like wrap like the ankles or like the whatever we needed extra support on. It was just like I was just held together by athletic tape um, for many years. Um, and maybe, I don't know if this is still on topic, but in terms of like other equipment, I do use like power dots. Um, started using those more for like recovery and then just certain like like muscle stim on like an off day as well
0: what are power dots
2: power dots um i i guess it's like comparable to like elect like, like um electrical like EMF, electro, electro
1: stimulation
2: sort of like a complex
1: do you have a complex i do have a complex i do want to get a complex but now that i'm not training like a crazy person or like at least competing um, I don't really think it's, <laughs> there's any point I want to get a. I know this is, you know, I know the studies around it. Um, um, it's kind of like why, why have it, but I, I really want to get a Theragun. I just, when I'm sore, yeah. When I'm sore, I just want to get like annihilated. You know what I mean? Not just for like, not cause I'm like, oh, it's going to like aid recovery. I just feel like you do it's, you just want a massage. It's like this
0: tiny bit less annoying than having to do phone rolling and i really wanted i have one and i haven't used it in years and then before my comp i was like oh i'm gonna get my massage gun and i can't find a charger <laughs> so it's still charged but i have no clue i looked everywhere i have no clue where my charger is. so i've probably had this for three years i've moved a year ago i haven't touched it once in the year where i have moved so i don't think the purchase was super justified. However, in girl maths, I've used it for clients. <laughs> so really, if you're looking at a massage, that's at least like $90. And the massage gun is like 300. I already got my, my use out of it compared to a massage, but <laughs> it is now collecting dust and I don't even know how to charge it. But in, in the other equipment, it was funny actually, because I think the belt is kind of like it's almost like you have to have it just to like strap yourself in it's like a mental thing but then when I did my squats without sleeves and belt they were totally thrown out of the window but then when I did my deadlifts I was like nah I forgot this deadlifts I'm good at and then I just did the PB without a belt that was higher than I've ever done before which is crazy it's it's a bit of a mental game but I think equipment especially in knee sleeves is something that there's not necessarily a whole lot of research that they will definitely help you, but they are giving your knees a little bit of comfort. And then one of my friends, um, who also did the powerlifting comp, she's never worn knee sleeves before and she just got them for the comp. And I'm like, mm, she refused them in training a little bit, but anyway, and she's like, oh my gosh, it's so different. I can like jump out of my squat and I'm like, see, it's a placebo probably, but it just, it does the thing. It works
1: yeah i swear it adds at least 10 kilos to to the to the lift surely right
0: when we look at adding weight to a lift and hitting a plateau one of my favorite ways to overcome plateaus is probably adding pauses especially for squats and deadlifts and i think a pause deadlift is so highly underrated and I have done pause deadlifts on my accessory days since my last comp. So since November, every accessory day I've done was pause deadlift. So I deadlift twice a week, one normal and one pause. And I think because I've done so much pause stuff, whenever I go into my normal deadlift day, I'm almost pausing, which helps me to get the bar off the floor because the stickiest point in a deadlift is getting the bar off the floor and it is below like knee. And I think the reason why I got like a quick mass, 12.5 comp pb in the deadlift compared to any other lift is because I've done so much pausing. So I was like, Callan, I need pause squats. <laughs> I, need, I need pause squats. I want to get my squat pb up as well. Um, so I think like pause deadlift is definitely something that's totally underrated. And they have helped me, and I'm really glad to have them back. But now I'm going to introduce some pause squats and see if that's going to help me with my overall squat squats as well. Um, Any thoughts, anything that you enjoy with pauses or how you would utilize tempo and pause work?
2: Um, I agree. I think tempo work or just changing the tempo to whatever you're doing, like whether that's slowing down the eccentric, um, whatever that means. Maybe it's, again, pausing on the concentric. I think that's a great way to kind of switch a variable to break through a plateau because that's all it really is. We don't need to overhaul and just like, you know, change up the routine completely. It's just tiny tweaks, little variable here, a little variable there, just to, get, to have the body make sure it's still learning.
1: Yep. Yeah, um, pauses and tempo work is notorious in Olympic lifting. It's you probably do pauses in, in every single program actually. Um, whether it be for you know your accessories or your um, prep work or your drills even Um, it'd be funny sometimes when you would see some of your drills and it would be say like two two cleans then two uh, so two pulls two cleans and then two um, split jerks but then within the cleans it would be like a pause at the half like at the knees and then sometimes there would be pauses from the hips and then you would have to sit there and it was almost like an equation and you would sit there for a bit like trying to even process what you were about to do it was almost like choreography to a certain point and then if you if I was in a new block and it was a new equation or a new combo I'd, the first week was always just like I don't I'd put the bar down I'm like I don't remember what what the combo is anymore and then my coach would just be like yelling like like, you know, just yelling across the room, like, this, 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 pause, pause here, pause there. And I was like, how is anyone supposed to remember <laughs> what they're supposed to be doing? Um, but yeah, pausing is notorious just because, um, yeah, just the nature of the sport is that you have to constantly achieve a 1% improvement in your lifts, like, if especially if you're competing um, a few times in the year, so you're always trying to push a PB so many times so pausing is it's saturated in programming um, in Olympic lifting. So interesting. I never
0: knew that about Olympic lifting because I think I've just not really looked into it, but it makes sense because there's so many sticky points. and yeah, crazy.
1: Yeah, so many positions that you ideally want to hit in within a matter of a second. Um, so the, the potential areas where you can pause, there's so many and yeah, like I've had ones where I'm pausing at every single position, like for a few reps per set, um, which is also really, really taxing, but, um, obviously it produces results because then you can lift more. Ouch. Sounds painful. <laughs> Sounds like a stop in production. Like,
0: um the combos sound like me boxing i can never remember it was hilarious yesterday i was meant to do my own combos i don't even know i can't my brain doesn't process this i can do them sometimes when you shout them at me but remembering them by myself i don't know how i would ever be sparring because i'm like left right (laughs) that's all i've got (laughs) but yeah the freestyle boxing combos i'm like oh god i have a lot of work to do here Um, one of the last advanced training methods and I have on my list here is German volume training. And although I'm German, I've actually never done it (laughs) and it's not something that I would ever use in training, but it's probably more like a bro, bro kind of thing. I feel like any, any thoughts, concerns, have you done it before?
1: I did it once, maybe five years ago. And it's because I, when it was, when I was still PTing in the gym, And one of the PTs there, he was like, oh, come, come do an arm sesh with me. And I was like, yeah, all right, why not? Like, you know, I'll come and do an arm sesh. And yeah, we were doing um, GVT for biceps. And I just remember I couldn't move my arms for a week. And I think even halfway through the sets, I was like, I'm never doing arms. I'm never training with you ever again. (laughs) It's so gross. Have you guys done it?
0: So for everyone that doesn't know it's 10 sets of 10 reps around like 60% of your one around I think and like 10 sets is a uh, of volume but GVT stands for volume training so it is a lot it's a lot of sets it's, how long did it take you to do the arm session
1: we did it two. yeah we were, it was a 2 hour session like it was in the middle of um our morning and lunch clients and <laughs> and he was like yeah come do an arm session I was like yeah sure, like that'll be fun um no it wasn't fun and I couldn't move my arms for ages and every time I saw him in the gym after the, like for the rest of the week I was like Joey I, like my arms are, I, I can't even hold my iPad like it's that bad and he was like yeah and I was like that's why
0: <laughs> I think it'd be a really fun thing to do like once and then never again for a very long time because I feel like the recovery on this and overtraining and injury risk, no maybe not injury risk, but just recovery and then injury risk in following sessions might be quite high. And for the general person, it's probably very time-consuming. If you're time-limited, there's probably better ways.
1: I think definitely not doing anything like that and then just doing it like first off the bat, worst mistake ever if you wanted to um, get to a stage where you could ramp yourself up to that stage, like, I just think about how many blocks of, of, um, you know, three by 10, then like maybe 10 or five by 10. And then you just like, that would take so long to ramp up to 10 by 10. I just feel, yeah, that's what, if you're really keen on doing GVT and you want to do it so that you don't destroy your arms for maybe a week um maybe
2: i did like right now i'm actually like looking it up to see if there's any other like specifics with so this It's not just the 10 by 10 but it's also like every five days you're doing like three sessions so that those three sessions repeat six times six times in a month um so i could see how if you you are getting the rest days so i suppose if Someone was maybe somewhat short on time, like they could maybe only train four days a week. This could be an option because they're just jamming a bunch of volume into those four days. It's for somebody out there, not me, not me, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Why, why German? Like, was it via German? That'd be interesting.
0: Um. I'm actually not sure. I'm assuming it'd be something to do with the military or something.
1: Like the Olympic team hacked a thing and they found out that 10 by 10 was the way to go. Let me look it up.
0: We're going to discover this. It was founded in the mid-70s by Rolf Fieser. Of it's the German pronunciation. <laughs> um, he was a national coach of weightlifting and if you're reading the name and thinking, ouch, that sounds about right. <laughs> Thanks Google.
2: <laughs> so, like So When you look at the actual programming, it doesn't actually look too bad. So it's like each day of those three days, you're doing two supersets. So for instance, like Monday would be chest and back, 10 sets of 10 bench press, 10 sets of 10 barbell uh, barbell row, and then second superset is standing cable chest fly, and then like lat pull down. I'm like, that's not, and it isn't even the 10 by 10, it's like three by 10. So it's two supersets. The first superset is like the 10 by 10 by 10 by 10, and then it's like three by 10 for the, I guess, accessory work it's actually not so bad so basically in like that one session you're like looking at like the sets so apparently it was used to gain mass
0: and it was an it was an efficient way to train and gain mass to move up in a weight class and it was done for weightlifting
2: so you should be all about this <laughs> it doesn't actually seem so overwhelming it's only like 26 sets a session
1: but that's because you do about maybe 50 sets a session okay <laughs> context of your training but then if i think about it not that
0: i will do it at 60 percent but with my warm-up sets my top set and my back backup sets i'm probably at 10 sets per exercise as well but i'm not doing but the German volume training be 10 sets of the top set.
1: Of the one thing.
0: Yeah. Hmm. I think that pretty much wraps it up. Do you have any other methods that you use? Anything else you want to share? Any stories? <laughs> done. <laughs> I think we we'll leave it at the German volume training and we're like, no, nope, done, I'll do.
2: <laughs> if you do it, let us know.
0: Yeah yeah and how you recover from it
1: and are you eating a lot
0: (laughs) if you've got any german volume training insights and you want us to try it or program a program around it it would be a horrible idea but we're here for it (laughs) if you want it we will do it (laughs) maybe maybe the next challenge all right team thank you so much for listening (laughs) and we're out we're we're programming some german volume training (laughs)